Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is Don Stallion. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. I hope that everybody's having a great day. We have got a lot to talk about on the show, including the Atlanta Braves almost gave all the Braves fans out there a heart attack once again. But they managed to pull the 8-7 victory to take a 2-0 series lead on the Dodgers. The Tampa Bay Rays take a commanding 3-0 lead over the Astros. It looks like they're getting ready to punch their ticket to the World Series. And we had a special Tuesday night football game where the Tennessee Titans destroyed the Buffalo Bills. And the Tennessee Titans are for real. I don't know how to explain this. I'm excited, but I don't know how to explain this for the Atlanta Braves especially since I watched that game from start to finish. Braves are up 7-0. We're getting excited. It is just amazing. This Atlanta Braves team is special. They have the pitching. They have the defense. They have the players. Austin Riley, huge defensive plays at third base. Christian Pache, coming into the game, he got the start because of Adam Duvall's injury yesterday, and he gets a big hit. The Braves open it up. Just the floodgates, starting with Freddie Freeman's two-run blast. Then Christian Pache with a double. Freddie Freeman gets another RBI. And they get to the Dodgers' bullpen, and they take a 7-0 lead. The Dodgers made it close. I wasn't really that worried when Corey Seager hit that three-run home run. But they were using the Braves were using other pitchers in the bullpen to try to give their main guys a rest because we don't know what the series is going to look like. First of all, before the game even started, Clayton Kershaw was scratched from the lineup with back spasms. That was a shocker. I knew that the Braves had to get this one. And I'm not going to say they almost blew it, but the Dodgers made a valiant effort, and they almost came back. Max Muncie hit a two-run homer. Cody Bellinger tripled. That was pretty scary. When Cody Bellinger tripled and Will Smith scored and it was 8-7, to seven, you have Cody Bellinger at third base with two outs. The closer, Mark Melanson, comes into the game and he gets the final out. It had the Braves wondering, here we go again. And it's like that for all Georgia sports teams, that they just can't seem to close the deal. And I know... I don't really want to bring this up, but when the Braves were up 7 to nothing and the Dodgers started making that comeback, the only score that I can think about in my mind was 28 to 3. Of course, different sport, but same fan base. The Atlanta Braves will take on the Dodgers today at 6 o'clock in game three, and hopefully the Braves can close this thing out. I like the percentages that the Braves have two more games to make it to the World Series. I do like the percentages that they could get this done. But this Dodgers team has fight in them. You can never count them out, especially the way they almost came back in the game last night. You got Julio Urias that's going to take the mound tonight, and then Clayton Kershaw will more than likely pitch in game four. Julio Arias is a good pitcher. He is the type of pitcher, young, he's got some good stuff. He could shut the door 
on the Braves. And then Kyle Wright will take the mound for the Braves tonight. The Braves got to get this done. You do not want to give the Dodgers life. Clayton Kershaw, he's going to come back well-rested in game four. He could possibly shut the door and this series could be even at two if the Braves do not win tonight. I'm looking forward to this game. And the Tampa Bay Rays are trying to punch their ticket to the World Series for the first time since 2008. They get a decisive victory over the Houston Astros, 5-2. to two. They're doing it with good pitching. They're doing it with timely hitting. Renfro, you got a lot of good players on this team. They shut the door. The Tampa Bay Rays, you're looking at their hitting. Joey Wendell, their third baseman, he's been around for a while, and he stepped up. But you can't forget about their talented left fielder, Randy Randy Arazarenda. So Ryan Yarbrough gets the victory, and the Tampa Bay Rays are just one game away from making it back to the World Series. Anybody see that Tuesday night football game? The Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills? incredible the titans are for real 42 to 16 they handle the buffalo bills in more ways than one they give the bills their first loss of the season but did you see that stiff arm that derrick henry put on bills cornerback josh norman it is starting to become a meme it was incredible twitter just wouldn't stop buzzing about it it was amazing the tennessee titans are now 4-0 and they will take on the houston texans who are one and four i know that in my top five teams uh, normally this game would have wrapped up i put the buffalo bills in my top five after this game i'm switching them out Uh, the tennessee titans are going to be in my top five four and oh they are for real they only practiced one time in the past two weeks. They had to shut down their facilities because of the COVID outbreak, and the Titans got it done. Ryan Tannehill throws for four touchdowns. This is not a fluke. The Titans are a good football team. They made it all the way to the AFC Championship game, and they could possibly go back again, and maybe even to the Super Bowl. The New York Jets cut Le'Veon Bell. That was very short-lived. Very talented running back. Where could he end up? There's a couple places that Le'Veon Bell could end up. He's still a good running back. When healthy, one of the best running backs in the league. For starters, I think Arizona Cardinals. I think the Arizona Cardinals can use him. Kyler Murray now has a second running back to Kenyon Drake. He can catch it in the backfield. He's an explosive running back. The Jets didn't utilize him properly. Arizona's one team. I think Baltimore. Baltimore could be a team that Le'Veon Bell could end up on. The Pittsburgh Steelers, it could be a welcome reunion. I know he wanted a big contract, but he can come back for less money. I think it would be scary to see the Seattle Seahawks get him. I know they already have Chris Carson, but Chris Carson is not the big running back that puts fear in the defense. Seattle could get him. Green Bay could get him. That would be crazy to see Le'Veon Bell in a Packers uniform. You can't forget about the Chicago Bears. I think with the injury of Tariq Cohen, the Bears could use Le'Veon Bell. So it'd be fun to see where he's going to go next. Is it possible that Matt Ryan could be playing his final season next year in Atlanta? Yes, I believe it's possible, especially with a new general manager and a new head coach in here. There is a really good chance that the Falcons could select a quarterback in the 2021 NFL draft and you got three legitimate quarterbacks coming out. You have Trevor Lawrence. He's from Georgia, actually Cartersville, Georgia, the talented quarterback from Clemson. He could do it all. He would have came out last year if he was eligible. You have Justin Fields. How great would that be that Justin Fields could play in his hometown for the Falcons? 
He played in Marietta. He played one season at Georgia, backed up Jake Fromm, and then he went to Ohio State, which they're about to be playing in a couple weeks. And then you have the talented quarterback Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. I believe the Falcons will draft either one of them. Right now, at 0-5, they are the worst team in the league right there with the New York Jets. One of those team one of those teams will get the number one pick, either the Falcons, the Jets, or the Giants. But hold on just a second. This Falcons team is not an 0-5 team. They are a good football team. Raheem Morris is going to coach this team up. They're not going to give up. They're going to close out games. Raheem Morris's coaching philosophy is a lot different than Dan Quinn. And I'm going to see a fight. It's more than likely you're going to see a fight in this Falcons team. They have four winnable games coming up on the schedule. They have Minnesota, Detroit, they have Denver, and they have Carolina again. They could get to 4-4, four and four, and then the media could be talking about how Raheem Morris is 4-0 and oh on the season. I'm predicting that the Falcons are going to go 6-10. and 10. That's not a bad record for the fact they started 0-5, so Raheem Morris will finish out 6-5. and five. That won't be enough to give him the job, but it'll be respectable, and he will be known for being a good defensive coordinator. The Falcons could keep him on the staff as the defensive coordinator. That's a possibility, too. But I think that the defensive coordinator is probably going to be Jeff Olbrick. And Dirk Cutter is going to leave too because this new coaching staff that comes in is going to have a new philosophy, new GM, new coach. It is going to be interesting to see how the Falcons play out this season and then next season. Remember, if they do finish in last place, in which they're 0-5, all the other teams in the division are 3-2, and they'll play a last place schedule next year, which will look good because they will get a lot of easy wins and then... A lot of people will think their coach is coach of the year. That's usually how it goes. If you remember in 2008, there were no expectations for the Falcons. They came out of nowhere. It's because they had an easy schedule. They were a good team. They weren't a great team. They lost to the Cardinals in the playoffs. The following year, they went 9-7. and seven. There were expectations, but the following year, they were a better football team, but they had a brutal schedule. The 2009 Falcons season, and I touched up on it a lot on my show because I did a lot of shows back in 2009. That was a good team, but they had a brutal schedule. Absolutely brutal because they were playing a first-place schedule. That's usually how it works in this league. Is the dynasty over in San Francisco? It was very short-lived. They did reach the Super Bowl, but it's clearly, it's obvious that this is not a sustainable franchise. And I think the 49ers have punched their last ticket. They will not make the playoffs this year. Jimmy Garoppolo is not an elite quarterback that everybody thought because if he was slightly injured, he would have found ways to make throws. You're making bonehead plays out there. You got to cover two defense and you throw a pick. That is high school football. Of course, there is some tension between Coach Shanahan and Jimmy G. And I still think he could possibly get the start Sunday night against the Rams if he is healthy, but I want to see the 49ers go back to Nick Mullins until Jimmy G is 100% healthy. They've got to fix this offensive line. Not sure when Weston Richburg is going to come back, but more injuries on the injury front. Kwan Alexander could possibly be shelled for a while. D Ford could possibly go on injured reserve and be out for the season. And Richard Sherman is not ready to come back yet. The 49ers are going to have to figure things out to salvage this season. 
All right, it is the middle of the week. We are getting closer to that big Georgia and Alabama game. And when I was trying to analyze this game and thinking to myself, I went in the archives and I watched the last two Georgia-Alabama games. So I looked at the 2018 SEC Championship. Georgia had a 28 to 14 lead in that game. There were several plays where Georgia had the ball at 28 to 14. Georgia was playing tight. Before to start the game, Jake Fromm was just throwing darts. DeAndre Swift was running the ball effectively. One thing that I noticed in that game, the tipped pass. The defensive line for Alabama, when you tip a pass at the line of scrimmage, it causes confusion. It doesn't let you do what you want to do. Now you have a second and 10, and Georgia played tight. They had some good plays where Riley Ridley caught the ball, but he, he caught it close, out of bounds. Georgia had a, a third and short, and they couldn't get it done. There was an incompletion. And then um, on that third and 11, playing tight once again, tight tight corners Alabama defenders are special they made some big plays it kind of reminds me of the it kind of reminds me of the 2018 national championship game where Rick Juan Davis tipped in the air and intercepted it great player for Alabama playing in the NFL he plays for the Miami Dolphins Alabama you get the best out of him because Nick Saban coaches them up they want to play hard for Nick Saban Kirby Smart is just like Nick Saban he has almost got that same philosophy as Saban he's getting close as far as recruiting these players they got to get the quarterback right I'm not a hundred percent believer in Stetson Bennett I'm not a hundred percent believer in Stetson Bennett if he struggles in this game I could see a scenario where they go to JT Daniels remember he is the five-star recruit out of USC they could possibly go to him if Stetson Bennett cannot move the ball the key is Georgia's got to move the ball in this Alabama defense because even though Georgia's defense is great I still think Alabama is going to put up points. I think Jalen Waddell is going to get yardage. Tyson Campbell is going to be able to cover him, but Jalen Waddell is just too fast for most corners. And Najee Harris, he is a man. He is he is a man above boys, and he will run down the throats of Georgia, just like in the 2012 SEC title game. You had Eddie Lacy and T.J. Yeldon just running all over the field on Georgia. Georgia's looking at their past four meetings with Alabama, and they're going through the tape. They're trying to make they're trying to correct all those mistakes that they made. Double-digit leads the last two times they played Alabama. You want to throw away 2015. That was the year. It was rainy. Alabama was playing Georgia in Athens. You had Grayson Lambert, the quarterback for Georgia. Georgia was ranked third, I believe, in that game. No, Georgia was ranked eighth. Georgia had Nick Chubb during that time. It was Mark Ricks last season. And I believe with Alabama defeating them 38-10, to that that was the final nail in the coffin and that's why Mark Rick got fired if you look in the beginning of that game it was very close in the beginning of the game and then Alabama got a block punt and that shifted momentum we could see a big defensive play that shifts the momentum is Georgia capable of doing it can Georgia get a big defensive turnover on Alabama or a sack or strip fumble or something to disrupt Mac Jones and his precision in his offense. That is all the time I have on the show. Thank you, everybody, for listening to my show. Don't forget to download my podcast and like and subscribe to my Facebook channel. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good day, everybody. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. 
feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved.